0: Following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester,
1: New York. This morning we're reading from Philippians 2 1 through 13. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing for selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure.
0: Tracy. Well, I got, um, I got a record this past week. Um, this is uh, one of my favorite albums of all time. It's Over the Rhine's 2003 double album, Ohio. Uh, and as you can see, I, I have it on vinyl here. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, can I tell you my favorite lyric from this album? It says, uh, The last time I saw Jesus, I was drinking Bloody Marys in the South, in a bar room in New Orleans, rinsing out a bad taste in my mouth. Um, one of many great lines from this really masterful uh, album. Now, I've had this on CD and MP3 for forever, but someone told me, you go to the third wave coffee shops, your jeans are no longer baggy, uh, but your hipster... Pastor credibility is severely impaired by the fact that you are not listening to vinyl records. And so I decided <laughs> I had to get, get this album on on vinyl, um, so now I have it, and I guess uh, I'm the real deal or something. Um, incidentally, the vinyl purchase came with a free download of the MP3s, which as I mentioned, I already have. So if anybody does not yet own this album, um, I would be happy to share those MP3s with you. But... Uh, we're not going to steal music. We're just going to give away copies one at a time. So if if, if one person taps me, um, nobody at the 9 a.m. service did. So this is your chance. Catch me after service. If you, if you don't have Over the Rhines, Ohio already, let me know. And I'll, I'll send you the, uh, the link to download those MP3s that, um, that I do own, free and clear, and can transfer to others as I wish. <laughs> so... Um, <coughs> Anyway, I I love this album. I think it's just a a masterpiece of of songwriting and production. And I've listened to it dozens of times, front to back. Uh, And just this week, as I was listening to it in my office, I heard something in it that I'd never heard before in one of the songs. I'm listening to the song. It's coming to an end, and there's this low frequency thing in there. I think it might be like a low note on an organ or something. And as the rest of the song ends, that, that, that one frequency, that one sound just kind of hangs over for like... Half a second, and then it decays out. And I, as I said, I've listened to this dozens of times. I'd never heard that sound before at the end of that song. So maybe vinyl really does sound better. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. That's definitely not true. But um. <laughs> Anyway, here's the point. <laughs> the text that you just heard read, uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 13, that's like over the Rhines, Ohio, from the New Testament for me. It's a beautiful, rich text, one that I've read dozens of times. I've even preached on it on more than one occasion. And I still find myself getting surprised by it. Finding, hearing, hearing new undertones, new sounds in it, new, seeing new refractions from the theological light that it contains. And incidentally, most of that passage, Philippians 2, 1-13, is also a song it's a fragment of an early Christian hymn which the Apostle Paul was quoting back in this letter to this church that he had started. Um, and so all that beautiful language about Jesus emptying himself was a song. And uh, Paul was, was sharing that with, the, with uh, people who would already have known those words. So since I have already, as I said, preached on this text more than once. Um, I'm not going to try to give you the full theological sermon version of my thoughts on Philippians chapter 2. If you would like that, I'm not sure what's wrong with you, but if you would like that, uh, you can go back in our archives to 2016, May 1st, 2016, I preached a sermon called uh, Imitating Emptiness as part of the more Christ-like God series that we did around Easter a couple years ago, which, um, kidding aside, I think actually was some of the most important theological work that we've done together as a community uh, at Artisan and and continues to shape us now um, in in ways that we may not even recognize are happening. but uh, So that's available. You can go back on the podcast or whatever and find it there, May first, 2016. Um, what I want to do today instead is um, give us all an opportunity to sort of sit in it and stew in it and reflect on it meditatively. Um, because, again, it's so rich and beautiful. Even if you know it really well, I suspect that you might find something new in it um, as we do this, so uh, let me ask you, if you 're willing and uh, to, to go down this road with me to um, put your body in a posture that uh, works for this kind of thing, where you 're attentive to the physicality in your, of, of yourself in the room, you know if you want to sit up more straight or less straight or whatever makes you feel comfortable. Um, uh, if you like to close your eyes during meditation like this or reflections like this, um, you can go ahead and do that. Maybe take a few deep breaths to to get ready for this. Um, I often find it helpful for for these exercises to just take a minute to acknowledge the fact that you are here. you are your body, your mind, your soul it 's all right here in this place at this time. There may be all kinds of things going on outside, but right now you are here, and God is here and um, my hope and prayers that God has something to say to you in this process. So I want you to think about the Apostle Paul's plea to his beloved congregation. Did you hear the love in the words that he wrote? And I, I want you to know, and I, I apologize if this seems a little corny, but I want you to know that you are my beloved congregation. I think of you the way that Paul thought of the Philippian church, I think. And if I, if I had to leave and go away and do some other work as Paul had to do, uh, I imagine that I would want to write letters back to you just as Paul did. And, and uh, speaking as your pastor... I, th- I would like to say it would make my joy complete, to use his words, if you would do what Paul asked them to do, which is to be of the same mind and have the same love and to be in full accord with one another and to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. It would make my joy complete uh, as your pastor if, if each of you would look not to your own interests but to the interests of others. And if you would let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who emptied himself and humbled himself to the point of death. Now maybe that helps you hear these words in a more um, you know, personal voice. But I want you to go one step further. I want you to imagine that this is not just the Apostle Paul's plea to the church in Philippi. It's not just Pastor Scott's plea to the church at Artisan, but that it is the call of God on your life. It's, it's your Heavenly Father, your Divine Parent, asking you if you would behave in this way, doing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, having humility regarding others as better than yourselves, looking not to your own interests but to the interests of others, and having the mind of Christ in your own mind. If God, your divine parent, was asking that of you, I'd like you to examine your life and think about areas where you have said yes to this request of God. Times when you have sensed God's command to empty yourself, to humble yourself, to think of others as better than yourself. Or maybe you didn't sense it specifically as the command of God, but you just naturally knew that it was the right thing to do. Think of a time in your life when when you had that dawning of realization and you said yes to it. First, First, think about the very recent past, maybe just today, maybe just this past week. thinking back a little bit further into your past, thinking over the past month or the past year of your life, perhaps thinking about times when you were at work or at school or in your family or in your church, when were there times that you sensed the call of God to, to humble yourself, to empty yourself, and you said yes to that? And then stretching back even further into your life, all the way back into your childhood, because we know that we'd like to think that we left childish things behind, but things that happened to us in our childhood often stay with us for better and for worse. But um, what are your earliest memories of sensing that you should put the needs of others before yourself and, and a time when you said yes to that? So that's the first part of the meditation. I want to move to the second part now and ask you to do some slightly more difficult work, which is the work of thinking about times when you have said no to God's request to empty yourself, to humble yourself, to think of others as better than yourselves. And again, maybe you didn't have a kind of religious experience. Maybe it was just you, you knew that you should put somebody else's needs before you and you heard that call on your life and you said no. And again, start with the most recent history, maybe on your way to church in the car this morning or something that happened this past week. And he said no. And now thinking... A little further back into your past, over the past month, what happened in September? (laughs) Or the past year, what has happened so far in 2017? Times when you knew you should be emptying yourself and you decided not to do it. Once again, I want to ask you to think even further back into your past. All the way back as far as you can remember. Times when you sensed the Father's call to have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, whether you knew that language or not at the time. And you said no. I'm going to ask you to just stay in that same posture and same mindset, but push pause on the work of thinking over your life for a minute. And I want to read to you today's gospel reading, which comes from Matthew 21. And we'll start reading in verse 23. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. But what do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And I will pause in the reading right there and ask you to answer that question for yourself. Which son did the will of his father? The one who said he would not and then went. Or the one who said he would go and didn't go? I suspect that most of you, if not all of you, answered the question the same way that, as we will see in a minute, the Pharisees answered the question, which is to say that the first son who gave the wrong answer but did the right thing is the one who did the will of his father. And as I've asked you to reflect back on your life about times when you said yes to God or no to God, I wonder... If there were times when you said yes, but didn't do the yes. Or times when you said no, and then went and did it as you had been asked anyway. And so I'd like to ask you to engage now for just another minute in this meditative way, in in a third piece of reflection, which is to think specifically about times when your actions did not match up with your declarations. in one direction or the other, when were there times when you said yes to God but didn't do it or said no to God and then did it? So that gospel reading concludes in this way. Remember, Jesus had just asked them, which of the two sons did the will of his father? And they said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. Well, you can uh, kind of wake yourself up from that meditative, reflective uh, experience. And I want to think for a minute together about about these Pharisees, these, these hypocrites. There's so many occasions in the New Testament where Jesus just nails these people. And don't we all kind of cheer a little bit? Like we always want, like the hypocritical religious extremists... Uh, which we kind of retrospectively assign to the Pharisees, perhaps somewhat unfairly. We always want to see them get their comeuppance. We always want to see them judged, those judgmental people. And there it is, isn't it? That's the trap. That's the catch. I think especially for those of us in kind of Western Christian culture, and maybe especially for those of us who, who um, kind of want to live in a slightly more progressive Christian culture, we just miss the point completely <laughs> with this kind of thing because we are so eager to see judgmental, hypocritical people get taken down a peg that we don't realize that we have the same type of... Um, Religious arrogance, just a, like a different flavor, but it's the same, it's the same rotten meat. <laughs> that's a very mixed metaphor. That's what, that's what people call that. <clears throat> Do you see what I'm saying, though? How uh, <laughs> How hypocritical it is to judge people for being hypocritical? <laughs> Listen to this. The Pharisees were the way that they were Um, They found their justification, their kind of religious self-congratulation, from following the teachings of Moses to the letter. Now, probably not all of them, but the ones that were the most visible and the ones that were most, like, popular, they followed those really well. followed them so well, in fact, that they, they said they put a hedge around it. They don't even want to walk onto the property line of breaking those laws, we're going to plant a big bush. <laughs> so you can't even get through it to, to like you don't even get close to the line. They were very good at the particular application of the teachings of their faith that were popular in their community. And I think that we are very good at following the teachings of our faith that are popular in our community. But just as the Pharisees did not obey the entirety of the law of Moses and certainly at times missed the spirit of that law, I think we do not obey the entirety of the teachings of Jesus. And sometimes we miss the spirit of his teaching as well. We get such a thrill, um, kind of vicariously (laughs) cheering against the Pharisees, Or even in our own day, seeing our modern-day Pharisees make fools of themselves, which they are really good at doing. And it's it's it kind of lights up this part of our human nature to be able to say they thought they were in, they thought they were doing it right, but guess what? They weren't. They're out. And it's exactly the thing that Pharisees were doing about the people in their day. And it's exactly the thing our modern day Pharisees uh, are doing in our day. Saying who's in and who's out. You know why everybody does that? Because it is a heck of a lot of fun to say somebody else is out because that means that you are in. But that is completely off the chart of things we're supposed to be worrying about. What does Paul say at the end of that beautiful section of Philippians 2? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling right those of us who are being saved don't like to think about fear and trembling anymore we like to think we're past the fear and trembling stage we might actually even for very good theological reasons want to say uh, you know a gospel based in fear is not the gospel of christ right and yet there's a seriousness and a somberness that is required if we're going to do this work right and have you ever wanted to say to your neighbor in the faith hey I've noticed a few things in your life that you might want to think about with fear and trembling. <laughs> hey, buddy, Jerry Falwell Jr., I got some things you should be scared of, right? I mean, I, I'm, am, am I mostly right when I use that particular example in this particular room? If you don't know who that is, God bless you. Go in peace and do not Google. <laughs> Listen. Um, The fact that I'm laughing about that and you're laughing about that is part of the problem, right? Because that particular person whose name I won't bring into this again is a beloved child of God, just as you and I are. And I think that person gets it wrong in lots of ways, but guess who else gets it wrong in lots of ways? The person who's judging that person right now, which is me and and apparently all of you. (laughs) Right? Right? We need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That is the work that we have been called to do. To empty ourselves. To think of others as better than ourselves. That's part of the work of the gospel. As a matter of fact, I think if we got that right, we would, we would be 95% of the way there on almost everything else. It's not easy. So, why don't we pray and ask for God's help? Gracious Lord, you who were the defender of the oppressed, you who spoke against hypocrisy, who stood between the judges and those they would judge and drove those judges away, we pray that you and your gentle love would stand between us and the people we want to judge even if we want to judge them for being judgmental and to drive us away to drive us back to you and your way and your mind to your endless emptying love call us back give us strength to empty ourselves, to humble ourselves, to give up our lives, to give up our needs and our wants and our desires, to give up the incredible joy of judging other people, and instead to walk in your way to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, and we pray that your kindness would lead us to repentance that Those times when we have said no to you, we would change our minds and do as you've asked anyway. And for when we are tempted to be hypocrites, when we've said yes and we want to walk away, steal our resolve, give us strength to do what you've called us to do. We pray these things through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, our communion table is open for the remainder of our service today. Uh, If you are seeking the strength of the Lord in this work, our table is here. It is food for your souls. It will nourish you. If you'd like to receive prayer, a member of our prayer team will be at the back of the room and would be happy to pray with you. Your children are welcome to take communion with you. Please go and get them. Um, If you don't want them to take communion with you, get them right after you're done so that our teachers, our volunteers down there can be uh, part of the rest of our service as well. And we'll continue to sing together as we come to the table of the Lord, which is open now. I invite you to come and receive God's grace. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.